Hi, this is Martin Medeiros with Negotiation Strategist Research, and as you know, I stand for the proposition that we communicate our needs to the world using negotiation and how effective we are at communicating those needs to determine if we achieve our needs. Negotiation is agency. Negotiation is freedom. You can control it. Hi, this is Mark Medeiros with Negotiation Strategist Research, and today I'm going to give you some tools I learned on how to set up the room. We're going to talk about the room layout based on researchers and my experience on how to get your needs met, communicate your needs effectively using negotiation. This is the operational side of the negotiation, the three subsystems, strategies, things you do beforehand, tactics, things you do after negotiation, and operations, things external that can impact its outcome. And these systems interact. Operationally, we have the media used, face-to-face, video, phone, room layout, and how we position ourselves in that room. Physically, how physiologically our blood sugar levels are. Do we get exercise, sleep? Are we ready for the negotiation? And reading, body, uh, facial recognition, stuff like that. So when we're talking about room layout, it's important to know that these things will be used. They will not help you win. Tricks do not win a negotiation. Preparation, by and far, 80% of your time should be spent on your strategy. That's what generally wins the negotiation. So tricks don't win, but it enables us to effectively communicate or not. And we definitely want to know if the other side is using room layout so we can call it out and get to a better environment that allows us to prosecute a negotiation that lets us communicate and obtain our needs. Without further ado, let's talk about this concept of room layout. When we understand room layout, uh, there's a few researchers, Hall and Stanley Milgram, on talk about for a minute. Uh, Hall, of course, talked about uh, you know, intimate level, social, public, depending on how close we are to the speaker and how appropriate it is. And, you know, if someone's getting right up in your face, you know, it's what we call an intimate distance, uh, probably inappropriate for a negotiation. Uh, it's okay for maybe an intimate reaction or maybe the precursor to a threat, but it is not appropriate for negotiation. Stanley Milgram, on the other hand, talked about how close we are to causing stress or anxiety or pain in his case to a person and what our likelihood to administer that pain. And this is the famous 1950s uh, experiment, which probably couldn't make it past the human trials uh, ethical standards today. But basically you had an actor and the subject who would uh, increasingly shock the actor uh, if they got a question wrong and the actor uh, would say ow for the little one and eventually be screaming in pain for the upper levels and the closer the takeaway was the closer the subject was to the person physically the less likely they would administer that increasingly greater shock in other words 
The initial control was they could just hear their voice. The actor was in another room, and the subject was, you know, reading the question. Oh, you got it wrong. I'll give you a shot. Uh, then they put a window between the room. They wouldn't go as high in administering the shot. Then they made put them in the same room. Then they made the the uh, subject hold the actor's hand, much less likely to um, cause pain to the person. Takeaway here, the more intimate we are with people, the less likely we are to be jerks with them. And I know firsthand, I've had awful negotiations over the phone where the people are using absolute profanity, they're yelling, they're screaming. And to break this, and I didn't know I was using this at the time, I said, well, why don't we do something different? I called the person, I said, get on an airplane, we're going to do this face-to-face. Um, that person was lovely, kind, did not say anything bad, and we closed that deal in about two days after six months of ridiculously acrimonious negotiations. So uh, takeaway there is the closer we are to the person, the less likely they're to be um, irrational, emotional, and kind of unhinged. Room layout is important. Uh, knowing that intimacy determines how we deal with people. Uh, if I'm if it's an asymmetric negotiation, for example, I'm disciplining a employee and I'm the boss, I would want a physical barrier between us. It kind of uh, acknowledges there's a hierarchy and um, there's a barrier. And in order to get to that more collaborative, you're going to have to change your behavior. Another way uh, on the staging side is in a counseling role, maybe just using this employee example, they screwed up, but not too much. Uh, I may come around the corner of the desk and you know have some open body language to say, "Hey, here's what you did. I want to, I want you to be a, the model employee. Here's how we can do better." Um, it's more of a consulting role, not an admonishing role. Uh, alliance building is where we have uh, a common problem. I'm going to sit on the exact same side of the table of that person and put the problem, the issue on a whiteboard or a sheet of paper that we're trying to solve. This is how I'm getting on the same side in my t- as my adversarial physically and perhaps emotionally to solve a common problem. Examples of staging. Uh, if I want to seem dominant or it, uh, you see a lot of people do this in a power, they, they basically take up real estate on the table. They'll spread out their stuff, all their stuff on the table, negotiation table, and they'll relegate the adversary to a corner, uh, give them less table real estate. When we get big, either, you know, sometimes lacing our fingers, putting them behind our head, um, uh, that's, you know, it's a dominant uh, position. And people do this on the table too when they spread all their stuff out. It's occupying space in real estate. It's a dominant thing. Uh, Authors like Navarro talk about this. Um, another uh, element of room layout is anxiety. Well, what room layouts increase anxiety? Uh, John Reed, researcher, law enforcement, uh, who does research on how to get people to uh, confess. The question poses, how do we get people to confess to crimes? How do we create that anxiety in the room? And he designed what I call the Reed Room, which has the accused backed up in a corner, a table between him and the point of egress. There may be a detective or two between him and the door. 
Uh, he has no light switches around him. He has no temperature control. He has no control over his environment. And he basically knows as a, uh, a one-way mirror, a two-way mirror in front of him. Or actually one-way mirror, I guess. <laughs> um, so he knows people are there observing his every move. This creates stress and anxiety. Uh, this accused wants nothing more than to leave that room to get into another room because of the anxiety and stress. And this is very um, typical in interrogation rooms. I was teaching at a university a few months ago and one of the students described to me a panel interview. And the panel interview was set up as follows. He had his back to the wall. There was a table between him and the point of egress. There was no light switch or temperature controls around him, and there were three people on the panel sitting between him and the door. Uh, this is basically the John Reed room used in a panel interview. Again, intentionally or not, this employer it was creating stress and anxiety with the subject of the interview, maybe to see how they would uh, behave under stress, but who knows. Uh, it just, when he described to me, I right away uh, noticed that it was a uh, stressful position to be in. So what are the takeaways? Um, operationally, everything affects negotiation. And the layout of that room can either facilitate or inhibit communication. It can increase or reduce stress and anxiety. And the takeaway here is just be aware that this is going on and focus on what your needs are. Operationally, if we want to be successful, we want to focus on what our needs are. And then we can communicate those needs to the world and how effective we are in communicating those needs determines if our needs are indeed met by negotiation. Thank you for watching. This is Martin Medeiros at Negotiation Strategist Research.